Sex, crime, Democrats, and elections, next on One Nation. Sex, crime, cheating, and elections always makes for interesting holiday conversation around the turkey. Gobble, gobble. Hello, America. Welcome to One Nation. I'm your host, Dr. Jake Jacobs. You know, I remember like it was yesterday when old Billy Boy Clinton, who had been harassing a number of women throughout the years and was ignored by the radical feminist, ignored by the left-wing media, when all of a sudden he said to the American people, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Gee, I got to admit, my Arkansas accent sucks. So I want you to actually hear old Billy Boy telling us he did not have sexual relations with that woman back in 1998. Here goes. But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. <laughs> you and I know, and the vast, overwhelming majority of the American people knew he was lying through his teeth. Hillary Clinton, that crooked, corrupt Hillary Clinton in the Clinton crime family, they said it was a Republican conspiracy. Well, the fact of the matter is he was lying through his teeth over a number of issues when it came to harassing and hurting women. But then about eight months later, when he said he did not have sexual relations with that woman, Enough evidence came out where he had to come clean, so I want you to hear him in August of 1998, where he finally admits he lied. Here goes. Indeed, I did have a relationship with Ms. Lewinsky that was not appropriate. In fact, it was wrong. It constituted a critical lapse in judgment and a personal failure on my part, for which I am solely and completely responsible. I misled people including even my wife. I deeply regret that. That's where the 90s took us. Well, <laughs> did you hear the people jeering in the background? It's like they knew. We knew all along he was lying. But then, of course, the commentator said that's where the 90s took us. Well, the 90s took us a lot of areas. And one thing that was really surprising is that the midterm election uh, of 1998 was very unusual in that the president's party actually gained seats. Now, mind you, it was only a handful of seats, but they actually the Democrats gained seats in the House of Representatives. But I got to tell you something, the midterm election of 1994 was of uh, tsunami historic proportions. It was unbelievable. On November 8th, 1994, there was a red wave, what the history books now call a Republican revolution. So I just want to show you a quick little clip from the evening of November 8th, 1994, when Newt Gingrich, who was soon to become the Speaker of the House, was going to speak about what happened on that historic night, that midterm of 1994. Here goes. This is truly a wildly historic night. I mean, this is just... You know, 
Conventional wisdom holds the party of a sitting president loses seats in the midterm elections. But this was a political earthquake with the fault line running right through Capitol Hill. When the dust had settled and the debris had been hauled away, it looked like this. Democrats lost the House they'd controlled for all but four years since 1932. They lost the Senate they controlled for all but six of the previous 40 years. Not a single Republican incumbent lost a congressional or gubernatorial race. Among the losers, Representative Tom Foley of Washington State, the first House Speaker to lose a re-election bid since 1862. His fiery successor, Newt Gingrich of Georgia, built his agenda around a 10-point contract with America, sweeping reforms he promised would be voted on during the first 100 days of the new Congress. I mean, if this is not a mandate to move in a particular direction, I would like somebody to explain to me what a mandate would look like. We were held accountable yesterday, and I accept my share of the responsibility in the result of the elections. Now, the 1994 midterm election was an absolute, unmitigated disaster for the Democratic Party. It was, it was of such huge proportions. Uh, they had a net switch in seats of 54 in the House and eight in the Senate. This, this, these kind of records for the Republican parties goes back to the 1940s and 1950s. Now, you know, you can have your political analysis and your historical analysis, and they give you a dozen different reasons of why that happened, but there's one essential, most important point. It's disapproval ratings. Going back to the 1930s when it comes to midterm uh, elections, the key is disapproval ratings of the commander-in-chief, of the executive, the president of the United States of America. In this particular case, in 1994, the American people's disapproval rating of Bill Clinton was dismal, and thus the tsunami, this Republican revolution that kicked out dozens and dozens and dozens of Democrats in the House and eight in the Senate. That's just unbelievable. Well, the question I ask is this. Will 28 years later, exactly to the day, November 8th, 2022, bring another tsunami, red wave, a Republican revolution? Let me better state a conservative, classic liberal revolution that this nation needs, one that will limit federal government, one that will expose the corruption of the deep swamp, one that will hold accountable the corruption of the Biden administration, and on and on and on. So right now, it appears there are three main points that are really driving the American people, that are really concerning the American people. Number one is crime. Crime is going through the roof in the United States of America. we got a borderless border. I, as, you, as you know in other shows, I've talked about going down to the border in, in Arizona where I spend a, a, some time in the wintertime. I went to school at Arizona State, lived there for many years. I'll be going there again this winter to go down to the border to see what's happening with the uh, Democratic uh, uh, Mexican cartel collusion going on. And so Americans are incredibly concerned about the millions of illegal aliens flooding into the United States, demanding free uh, stuff, social stuff, social programming, and bringing along with them crime, uh, 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 fentanyl, drugs, sex trafficking, etc. The other, one of the other key issues is inflation. 
And you know, Joe Biden with his MMT, his modern monetary theory, in essence, those economists who think they know so much it isn't so, say that you can print and spend and print and spend and spend and print trillions and trillions of dollars, and it's not going to have an effect on the purchasing power of the American dollar. You tell that to the average American mother and father trying to raise a family in the United States of America in 2022. They'll tell you that is the key problem. When President Biden came into office and one man, one woman can make a profound difference, he started the floodgate of spending and printing like never before. Now, by the way, I'm not going to let Donald Trump and rhino Republicans off the hook because they, too, previously spent way too much money. But we're living in a day and age where debt and deficit are meaningless. And we need to have authentic, true conservatives, classic liberals who understand that we need to balance budget and live within our means and no longer print money that's not available to us. And by the way, the, the other issue of the, of the top three is energy. American productivity, U.S. energy independence. The moment Joe Biden and his woke folk came into power in January of 2021, they immediately from day one started their war on fossil fuel, their war on American energy, their war on American flourishing and prosperity. And now we literally pay the price at the pump. And I'm telling you what. They are saying right now, in a matter of three to four weeks, as winter quickly approaches, we're going to have some serious problems with diesel fuel. And if you understand anything about diesel fuel, it is what makes the country run in many ways. Transportation of foodstuff to our grocery stores. Transportation of goods to Menards and Costco and, and, and Walmart and all the various uh, grocery stores and stores that are, are there for us to help us run our lives, live our lives. The prices of things will continue to go up as Joe Biden and the Democrats continue their war on American energy, fossil fuels. Now, I just mentioned three main issues, but... Once again, the bottom line, like with Bill Clinton in 1994, it is really one major issue. The elephant in the room. No, 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 wait a minute. The jackass in the room. Joe Biden. This is about Joe Biden. Joe Biden, the senile, old, incompetent, incontinent, <laughs> excuse me, that was a bad joke, right? But this rambling, schmambling, weak, feckless, gobbledygook, nonsense, illogical, money printing, war on fossil fuel, shuffling out like an old man in slippers, comes before the American people and has a debacle in Afghanistan, a debacle with a thousand different issues that he's involved with on the border, Crime going cra like crazy through our city and the American people, minorities, Latinos like never before, independent women like never before, a significant number of Democrats like never before are saying the crime and the inflation and the energy are all because of one person, one jackass by the name of Joe Biden. You all know that jackass is the symbol of the Democratic Party, going back to Andrew Jackson. And we need to understand and recognize this. So when historians have looked back at midterm elections, 
with all the various issues that we will pontificate about, we find that it boils down to the disapproval rating of the commander-in-chief of the executive, of the president. In this particular case, Joe Biden has historic disapproval numbers. So really, it is one issue, and it is Joe Biden. So now, real quick, we don't have a lot of time. This is a short show, right? I'm short. I'm just five foot six. Actually, James Madison, he was 5'4". I think Napoleon was about 5'3", so I got a little bit on them. Thomas Jefferson was like 6'1", or something. But anyways, the Senate. Let's talk about the Senate right now. Right now, as you know, the Senate is 50-50, right? Tie goes to the runner. Tie goes to the, the, uh, the, those who hold power in the White House. And, of course, it's a Democratic Party. So the VP has the breaking tie. So they control the Senate. Now, there are 35 races be, that are being had right now coming up here November 8th. There are six key what they call toss-up states, and I want to just quickly run through them. Ohio. I used to live in Ohio. I went to graduate school in Ohio. You got Democrat Tim Ryan versus J.D. Vance. J.D. Vance wrote the book Hillbilly Elegy. It's a story of rags to riches uh, life, the Appalachian Mountains. An amazing story. Goes to Michigan State, goes to Yale Law School, is in the Marines. It's an amazing story of an amazing American. And it's been nipping tuck and, and pretty much tight within the race. But in the last few days, J.D. Vance is ahead of Tim Ryan. But by the way, as I give you any of these figures, any of these numbers, remember this. Never, ever take anything for granted. When I'm talking about polls, remember what happened in 2016. All the polls, almost all the polls said Hillary is going to win by a landslide. And there was Hollywood. There were the elitists in the West Coast and the East Coast saying it's going to be Hillary. Hillary went out and bought a bunch of balloons and party stuff, right? And they're all getting ready to celebrate. And Trump won bigly, hugely, right? So my point is, I understand polls are very difficult, you know, to trust. But the fact of the matter is, talking to a lot of my friends who work in this area, uh, especially those who are working in Senator Johnson's campaign and Governor, uh, well, the soon-to-be Governor of Wisconsin, Michael's campaign, they are saying that the numbers are incredibly positive going towards the conservative Republican side. I'm going to give J.D. Vance of Ohio. He's going to win that baby. Remember, the Republicans need four of the six swing states to take over the Senate. They need at least 51. I think they're going to get about 53. But let's go on now to Georgia. Georgia, you got uh, Raphael Warnick, the fake reverend, the, the, rev, the gentleman who pretends to be a reverend, is passionately pro-choice, and to me in many ways anti-Christian, is up against the famous football player Herschel Walker. They have thrown negativity upon negativity, lies upon lies, against Herschel Walker. But they're scared. They're running scared. I believe Herschel Walker is going to win Georgia. But I'd also make sure I have hundreds and hundreds of people watching, poll watchers, because they will cheat. To do what, they'll do whatever they can to steal it from Walker. Now, Arizona. You got the incumbent Mark Kelly up against Blake Masters. Now, one of the good things to note is the libertarian that was running in Arizona has decided to drop out and is now endorsing Blake Masters. This is a good thing because the libertarian vote was somewhere about 2 3%. Even if he got 1% or 2% of that, that could help him in a very tight race. By the way, 
This is very typical of Democrats. They are saying that uh, the libertarian candidate is actually for the Democratic candidate, so you need to, in essence, uh, you know, is, is very much anti, uh, uh, blah, what is it, Masters, Blake Masters. So they're actually, the, the lying Democratic propaganda machine is lying about the libertarian candidates that are dropping out. More about that later in Wisconsin. Now Nevada. You've got the incumbent Catherine Cortez Mastro, Mastro excuse me, versus the Republican Adam Laxalt. Adam had been, Laxalt had been behind, 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 and in the last 24 hours, all the polls have him, if not tied, they have him ahead. I think, I think Nevada's going to go with Laxalt. And then, of course, the great state of Wisconsin, right? You've got Mandela Barnes, lieutenant governor, versus... I admit my bias. Ron's a friend. He's been, uh, Ron has been, when I taught at a public school, high school in Wisconsin, Winnicott County High School, Ron's been in the classroom talking to the kids. When I taught at a private school, Catholic school in Oshkosh, I brought Ron in to talk to the kids. Actually, his, uh, his kids went to the private academy where I used to teach. Actually, the, the superintendent of the school was, is the chief of staff for Ron Johnson. And I'm telling you what, man. Out of all the senators in the United States of America, I think Ron is the best, the toughest, the most honest, the most transparent, and he's going to win the state of Wisconsin. So I'm predicting the Senate 53 Republicans and 47 Democrats. But I want to focus on two uh, Senate races out of these six, and when it take us uh, all the way to Pennsylvania. We're going to follow the yellow brick road to Pennsylvania. You've got a gentleman by the name of John Fetterman, the Democrat. He used to be the mayor of Braddock, uh, uh, Pennsylvania. It's a suburb of, of Pittsburgh. It's about 1,700 people. He was mayor from 2006 to 2019. This guy is a hardcore leftist. He really has no other resume as far as um, creating jobs or having many significant jobs in his life. He's turned to become, wanting to become, a, well, has become a lifer politician like Joe Biden. And he just recently had a stroke. He's going up against uh, uh, Oz, Dr. Oz. So he recently had a stroke, and he gave, uh, he, he finally had, uh, was willing to admit that he'd have a, give a debate with uh, Dr. Oz. It was an unmitigated disaster. It was, it was embarrassing to watch. Inarticulations. Couldn't uh, complete a, a full sentence. Uh, discombobulated uh, words just thrown all over the place. It was profoundly embarrassing. But the fact that I just said that would have a bunch of leftists say that I'm an ableist. I am, shame on me for I'm uh, attacking people with disabilities. I'm a mean, cruel, evil person. Like I've always said, truth hurts, and I really don't care if the truth hurts. And i got to tell you something. When it comes to leadership, I will expose what's going on when it comes to poor leaders, leaders that are not capable of actually leading and thinking and articulating. Well, come to the rescue, but MSNBC and Lawrence O'Donnell, who in essence equates John Fetterman to Winston Churchill and FDR. So you've got to see this clip. Where in the beginning of the clip, it's a long clip, we don't have time to cover it, 
But in the first part of the clip, he brings out a book, and he's, it's a book about Winston Churchill and his ailments, his sicknesses, and, you know, was he an alcoholic, and he had strokes. And so he goes to say, do you see what happened here? This, this man was sick, but he was a great leader. And, and so he's leading up to an argument that he has here. And then he closes it by talking about FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who, as you know, probably know, had polio. So I want you to hear what he says here at the end of his clip. Here goes. Caroline Morell was an 11-year-old growing up in Washington, D.C., when her father, a lawyer with connections to the Roosevelt administration, brought her to a reception at the White House where, with no cameras present, present President Roosevelt was rolled into the East Room in his wheelchair. Caroline Morell's eyes widened. She tugged her father's sleeve and looked up and whispered, I won't tell anyone. She felt she was in the presence of a secret about the president's condition, and she felt as most Americans did, and as the press corps did way back then, that the president's condition should be respected. 11-year-old Caroline Morell did not think that in her one lucky moment of being in the room with President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, that he was painful to watch. Painful to watch quickly became an oft-repeated phrase on Twitter last night during the Pennsylvania Senate campaign debate because Democratic candidate John Fetterman suffered a stroke this spring and has not fully recovered 100% of his verbal fluency. Now, I want you to understand something. The Democrats are classic for working on the emotion, you know, and if you dare challenge the competency, the ability of the candidate, then you're a phobic this and a phobic that. It was painful to watch. It was embarrassing to watch. He should have dropped out of that race because he is not capable of clearly thinking. His cognitive abilities have been profoundly diminished. And, you know, it's interesting to note that when Franklin Delano Roosevelt, towards the latter part of his life, and was getting sicker and sicker and sicker, when he was at Yalta with Joseph Stalin, Joseph Stalin played him like a Stradivarius. And it's absolutely important that our leaders, if, if he would become senator, he's one of 100 with, very, with, with, a, with, with, profound, with profound power, power that goes beyond Pennsylvania, power that affects the United States of America. And I want leaders in charge, men and women in charge, who are decisive, who are articulate, who are sharp in their thinking, not like Joe Biden and not like John Fetterman. So, you know, uh, Lawrence O'Donnell, your Churchill FDR analogy, that dog don't hunt. Now, you know, it's interesting here in Wisconsin, crime is sexy. Crime has been going through the roof since the Democrats have been calling for defunding the police or, or abolishing the police during the, uh, oh yeah, during the summer of, of 2020. I wrote this in my book, Mob Rule, Unmasking the Radical uh, mar uh, Leftists at Our Doorstep. But during that summer, when Democrats across the country were screaming and hollering for defunding the police, they were attacking the police, dismantling the police, abolishing the police. Well, in 2018, here was Mandela Barnes. He was calling for reducing prison populations because there were too many minorities in prison. They weren't in prison because of the color of their skin. They were in prison because they committed a crime. 
And there's a crime culture within, sadly, black American communities that has caused a significant number of them to be sent to prison. But now you're racist if you talk that way. And so you're going to be calling for defunding the police. So here is Mandela Barnes, who doesn't want you to know this or remember this, talking about how crime is sexy. Here goes. So I'm happy that we're all here. I'm happy that we're all talking about it. Now that uh, criminal justice reform and reducing prison populations is now sexy. It's now a thing that leading candidates are talking about. Because 10 years ago, people would have ran away from this issue. People would have not come up and people would not have showed up to a forum like this because they would have been scared. They would look like they were soft on crime. Well, they look like they're soft on crime. You know why they look like they were soft on crime? Hello, because they were soft on crime. No, literally, this, this is insanity that across the country, Democrats, in fact, that was 2018, that was before the summer of mob rule 2020, they have been calling for defunding the police, abolishing the police, going soft on crime. And the governor of the state of Wisconsin, lieutenant governor of the state of Wisconsin, have released hundreds of murderers and rapists in this great state. And remember something the Democrats never want you to do. They don't want you to know about the history of America from 1776 and that in 1787 and the ratification of the Bill of Rights, 1791. They don't want you to know the good, the goodness and greatness of American history. And they don't want you to know recent history. So let us listen to Democrats. Well, by the way, I could go on for an hour, two hours listening to Democrats upon Democrats upon Democrats calling for defunding the police or abolishing the police or dismantling the police. From Seattle and Portland, Los Angeles, Chicago, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., across this land. And now all of a sudden, oh, no, it was the Republicans that called for defunding the police. They're lying to you and me. And Mandela Barnes doesn't want you to remember. The Democrats don't want you to remember. But you know what? It is why there's a significant number of independent women and even Democratic women who are going, I can't vote Democratic anymore. These guys are soft on crime. They're looking the other way as criminal activity is exploding in democratically controlled cities. So I want to remind you of what the Democrats said about defunding the police. Here goes. Not only do we need to disinvest for in police, but we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. The Minneapolis Police Department is rotten to the root. It's not just about Black Lives Matter, it's about what does that actually mean? What do we mean when we say Black Lives Matter, which is why defund the police has become such a huge and resounding call? Yeah, I think Democrats, we need to hire a PR marketing firm because our messaging usually gets muddled um, in law. People are chanting defund the police. Um, it immediately turns off those voters who are independent and swing voters. Los Angeles and New York officials have promised to cut their police budget, and the city council in Minneapolis, where Floyd died, has vowed to disband their police department. A growing cry to defund the police. I am for defunding the police. Yes, I support the defund movement. Our commitment is to end our city's toxic relationship with the Minneapolis to police department to end policing as we know it. <laughs> People, I hate to say it, but in my book, Mob Rule, I talked about this kind of rhetoric, this kind of uh, uh, agenda promoting 
from Los Angeles to New York City, from Seattle, Portland, Milwaukee, across the country, Phoenix, Arizona. Democrats were calling for defunding the police. They had a war on cops in the United States of America. And people like me and many others were saying, beware, because if you defund the police, if you go after the police the way you have been, you're going to see crime go through the roof. And I think it's interesting. When they would talk, these white, these white self-righteous, you know, virtue signaling liberals were saying, defund the police, defund the police. Well, along with Black Lives Matter, Marxists and others, right? And yet you'd go into the inner city, you'd talk to blacks and Latinos and minorities, and they go, no, 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 don't defund the police. We need people to protect us from the gang activity. This is how stupid this was. So Mandela Barnes, you're not fooling anybody. Now, House of Representatives. Currently in the House of Representatives, the Democrats control it, 220 to 212. There are three vacancies right now. The magic number is 218, 218. I'm predicting Republicans are going to pick up 200. They're going to have 232 seats. Now, the 435 obviously is too many to cover, but there's one seat that I'm praying to God she wins this seat. It's the 34th district in Texas. It's, the, uh, uh, it's, it's Vincente Gonzalez versus the lady that I love. Her name is Mayra Flores. Now, let me tell you about Mayra Flores. She was born in Mexico. And she had a special election in the 34th Congressional District in Texas, and she won. And it freaked out people because the 34th District is, per, is highly Hispanic. Now, you may be going, well, Jake, that she's Hispanic. She is. She was born in Mexico. She's an American citizen. And she won. But the area went overwhelmingly, the 34th. Now, I have to explain the 34th. It goes from Brownsville. It rubs up against the Gulf of Mexico all the way up to Corpus Christi, heading towards San Antonio. And that district, a very elongated district, has been predominantly democratically controlled. And she's up against a very tough opponent who left a different district to go up against her in that district. This Gonzalez versus Flores. Now, it's interesting about Flores, and I've talked in other shows about this. You know, if you're a black conservative, you're really not black. You're a, a white supremacist like Larry Elder, you know, who ran for governor of California, or, or Alan West ran for governor of Texas. They don't count, right? Because they don't think uh, democratic. Remember when Joe Biden says, if you're black and you don't vote democratic, you ain't black. What a racist thing for them to think and say. She, this uh, Myra Flores, she has been not, not she hasn't been allowed to join the Congressional Hispanic Caucus because she's conservative. So pay attention to the 34th district in Texas. Now on to the governor races. Right now it's 28 Republicans, 22 Democrats. I predict it's going to be 31 Republican governors, and there's one race, key race I want to mention. It's Carrie Lake of Arizona. Carrie Lake is something else. Now, my roommate in college worked for Channel 3 News in Phoenix. His wife worked for Channel 3 News in Phoenix. I don't know Carrie personally, but my friends who worked in the media who know her, know her well, she worked for Fox 10 down in Phoenix for 30 years, said that she is the real deal. She's a woman of principle a woman of, of, of conviction, of loving this country. And she understands the manipulation of the left-wing propagandist democratic media. 
And she finally got so disgusted with it, she quit, and she's running for governor of Arizona. And they're coming after her. And I want you to see something here, because the media, she, because she worked in the media, is good in front of a camera, which I'm not, right, you can tell, but she was. She goes after the media. She does not bow, kowtow, is not intimidated by them. In fact, she exposes them for the imbalanced uh, propagandists for the Democratic Party that they are. Listen to Carrie Lake here. Katie Hobbs' campaign headquarters was broken into earlier this week, and her campaign manager said in a statement uh, that it was, she argued that the incident was a direct result of a concerted campaign of lies and intimidation by you and your allies. Do you have a response to that? That is absolutely absurd. And, And are you guys buying that? Are you really buying that? This just sounds like a Jesse Smollett part two. So you're going to drag the American people through something like this? Obviously, you don't want to cover the real story today, which we are 11 points up in the polls. And you want to distract the people with an old story. Uh, And I can't believe that she would blame my amazing people or blame me for something like that. I don't even know where her campaign office is. I'm assuming it's in a basement somewhere because that's where she's been campaigning. And you guys are despicable for falling into that trap. You drag the American people through so many BS stories like the Jesse Smollett and you're letting a campaign who has been a woman who's been running a terrible campaign direct you to a story like this. You know that she's running a bad campaign. She's being attacked by her own party and she's desperate. And so she's trying to point the finger at me. It's despicable and it it doesn't shock me because what we've seen from her is probably the worst campaigning in the history of campaigns. Desperado Democrats. Seriously, Desperado Democrats. Hobbs was so desperate, they made up this story that it was the Republicans or Carrie Lake's campaign that attacked her place. They just found out, by the way, on the way to the studio here, I just found out in the news that it was an illegal alien from Portugal. Had nothing to do with Carrie Lake's campaign. This is what Democrats do. Now, people, in the state of Wisconsin, the great state of Wisconsin, the great Senator Ron Johnson, Boy, I hope he wins because we need fighters like him, but also for governorship. We have got Tony Evers, who used to be the head of the Department of Public Instruction. He's about as woke as they get. And he's going up against Tim Michaels, the biggest construction company in Wisconsin, one of the biggest in the countries. Let's pray and hope that Tim Michaels can bring home a victory and give us another Republican governor. And then, of course, Florida. Ronald DeSantis, Ron Dion DeSantis, who they call DeSatan. They're so desperate. He's up by 10 points like Kerry Lake in Arizona. Boy, there'd be a ticket down road. You got DeSantis and Lake running for president in 24, but I'm jumping the gun here. So keep pay attention to what's going on there because uh, around the country right now, people, people are getting engaged like never before. So in closing, as we approach the midterm elections coming up on November 8th, 2022, and in spite of the sex, crime, and the cheating of the Democrats, the media, and the rhinos, I want to close from reading a line from the British historian Paul Johnson in his classic work, A History of the American People. Listen to how he opens up his book. The creation of the United States of America is the greatest of all human adventures. No other national story holds such tremendous lessons for the American people themselves and for the rest of mankind. My fellow Americans, let us remember that we are Americans. So let us fight to save our republic under God 
and to stop the corruption of the deep swamp. So until we meet again, God bless the United States of America and happy trails to you.